Hello, Daily Lobo readers, and welcome to the first edition of The Howl, the weekly Daily Lobo podcast where we go in-depth on the stories that were featured on the front page of this week's edition. I'm Gino Gutierrez, Managing Editor of The Daily Lobo, and this week I'm delighted to be joined by Daily Lobo beat reporter Gabriel Biadora, who wrote, After Establishment, Asian Pacific American Culture Center Looks to the Future. I'm also delighted to be joined by Nikita Jaswal, who wrote, Will NM Legislators Abolish Qualified Immunity? And lastly, we are joined by Nick Romero, Daily Lobo staff photographer, who wrote, Trump Loyalists Decry Election Results at Roundhouse on Insurrection Day. Nikita, I want to start with you and the story that you had on the front page this week, which is, Will NM Legislators Abolish Qualified Immunity? If you don't mind, my first question for you is just kind of give a quick summary to the readers of what this story is about. Sure. So basically what this story about is it goes over what qualified immunity is, and then it talks about um, how this will be addressed in the upcoming legislative session that's beginning on the 19th. And so... And so um, basically what's happening is that um, qualified immunity is gonna be brought up and they're gonna decide whether to pass having it being used or not. Interesting. And Nikita, the article covers a pretty tricky subject um, because it does deal a lot with um, the ongoing protests that took place over the summer over um, law enforcement um, and kind of the use of excessive force. Uh, When writing the article, was it difficult to kind of frame what the issue was about or was it relatively easy? Yeah, I think one of the harder things with this is that, you know, qualified immunity is a really tough topic and conversation to have. And additionally, it's um, not really open to the public in terms of how they share this information. So we had the, they basically established a commission to look at qualified immunity and the commission provided a report and this report is filled with legalese. So I think the harder thing was basically converting it and turning it into a way that, you know, the readers and general public can understand exactly what's going on. Yeah, which kind of your answer just kind of leads me into my next question. Um, This article was very dense in information. Um, So I would imagine the process in converting this legal uh, jargon into understandable and digestible information uh, was a little bit of a process. Was it difficult or was it relatively easy as you move through the article? Um, I think, you know, coming into this, it was a little tough to figure out exactly what's going on. I think, you know, at some point I can understand the legalese, but, you know, that's, you still have to change the words that everyone can understand. So I think the harder part was kind of just like converting everything. But uh, I think we got it down to a point where it's like clearly comes across, you know, what exactly is going to be happening and what the readers can look, look for. And uh, Nikita, in the article, you actually spoke to uh, Baron Jones, who is a senior uh, policy strategist at the American Civil Union, uh, Civil Liberties Union, um, and he gave you some information a little bit more about these civil rights cases and kind of the way the dynamic does work within the legal system. What was probably the most important information you believe he gave you for the article? Yeah, I think the most important thing is that he was really optimistic about this passing and 
what and the reason why was because he really believed that this would help people and so he talked about how there's certain parts that you know create access for marginalized people because sometimes you know there's attorney fees and so that would be covered by the act and um, additionally he talked about how basically this would help you know the people by removing this this clause of qualified immunity so i think that was the most important part and the story, uh, as we've already established, deals with a, an issue that has become a very national issue. Um, so it's bound that some of our readers are going to be familiar with uh, what the article does cover. Um, why do you believe um, the article is so important for our readers to take time to actually sit down and read? Yeah, so, you know, I think qualified immunity, that term has been thrown around by a lot of legislators, as you said, nationally. But I think, you know, not everyone really knows exactly what it is. You might have a general idea, but it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a difficult topic. And even I thought I had some sort of an idea, but coming into this, but, you know, it really took like all this research and going into it to really understand what's happening and specifically looking at, you know, New Mexico and what's happening in our home state, I think was important because, you know, every state is going to have a different way of going about this. And so I think going through this article is important because it gives you a quick rundown of what exactly it is that's going to be coming up and what are the main issues that we see, why this is going to be so heavily debated in the upcoming session. And then Nikita, this next question for you personally, um, how would you describe the experience of writing the article? I mean, it, it's not something, obviously the, the legalese jargon, um, dealing with a topic that is so hotly debated. Um, how was writing the article? Was it a difficult experience? Was it easy for you? How would you describe it? Um, I think writing the article, it just took a lot, a lot of time. Uh, we actually started writing this in November and it's kind of gone through a lot of different stages to come to the point that it is now that we're presenting it. Um, and it was just about, you know, talking to a lot of different resources and understanding exactly what's happening and what, what were the um, contending issues, the things that people saw, why this would act should pass or why it shouldn't pass and just discussing those and figuring out, you know, what both sides of this issue were. Awesome. And then my last question for you in closing is just kind of in your opinion, um, this obviously is up for uh, debate in the upcoming legislation. How do you see um, this qualified immunity being discussed? Yeah, so um, I think the article goes more into this, but, you know, what I see is like, I think uh, most people do agree that qualified immunity does grant police officers with a certain shielding from their own actions. But I think the main part that will be discussed is kind of uh, how these counties and municipalities will have to pay for the um, court fees and things like that. So I think that's where a lot of the debate is gonna actually focus on. And Nick, your article covered the, um, the recent Trump protests that took place at the Santa Fe Capitol building um, on the same day that we also saw the attempted insurrection at the United States Capitol um, on the 6th of January. Um, you took some pretty powerful photographs uh, to go along with the story that you did publish. Can you just summarize for our listeners uh, what that story was about? So, yeah, so um, for me, I'm, um, I guess what I... I would say um, the summary of my story was on the um, last Wednesday, 
um, during the uh, um, um, during the count for Congress um, for the um, 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 for the certification of the uh, uh, election results, there was a protest up in the roundhouse. Um, I found out about it through one of our uh, previous global reporters. Um, I believe he works for the Albuquerque Journal now and does some work in Santa Fe. Um, his name um, is Kyle Land. <clears throat> he posted a couple people there, so I took the drive to Santa Fe and um, about maybe about 50, 60 people when I got there were there. There's maybe only like four or five counter protesters, but I guess those four or five counter pro protesters were enough to cause somewhat of a scene when they clashed with the uh, um, with the um, um, with the pro Trump crowd. Um, when I got there, um, state police were on the scene. They're um, kind of breaking up a fight. Um, I guess from what I heard that uh, both sides declined to um, press any charges, so both sides were let away. But um, it was definitely like 20 minutes of just 10 scenes of people yelling at each other. Um, so that was basically what I what I was covering was just them um, outside there protesting right on the street outside of the roundhouse. Awesome. And Gabe, a uh, little bit of a summary of what your story this week was about. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my story came out this week is about the plans and the hopes and future of the Asian Pacific American Culture Center, uh, which is going to be a new resource center for all uh, Asian Pacific American and Desi American students uh, at UNM. And this story um, really just focuses on, you know, how, how an organization is going to be built, um, kind of the infrastructure that goes into it and kind of get and getting into the heads of the directors um, whom I interviewed. And uh, this came after their establishment um, from the Student Fee Review Board. And so I, I figured just to follow up on them. And, you know, it's kind of a rare opportunity to see uh, an organization, a resource center at its conception um, and being able to report it so that we'll be able to follow it in the future, basically. Awesome. And Nick, you kind of touched on it in your first answer. So Gabe, I'll start with you first. Um, how did the initial idea for this pitch come about? Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, like I said, um, we, the Daily Lobo put out an article um, late into last year, uh, just basically summarizing where um, our, our funds were being allocated to with the Student Fee Review Board. And with that came the formalization of the Asian, uh, the Asian Pacific American Culture Center, um, otherwise known as APOC. And, you know, uh, once, I saw that they were formalized. Um, I had talked to some of the directors beforehand and basically I wanted to see where they were going after that um, and really getting to know the ins and outs of what it takes to, to build a research center, um, especially one that has never, never been really made for before for, for, stu for students of Asian American um, descent. And so, yeah, I just wanted to. I just wanted to see what they what they were going to do, um, how that looked like on paper, um, their aspirations for the organization. And Nick, your story on the front page is a little interesting because it's a it's a photo story. So a majority of the photographs um, that you took kind of take center stage. Um, I what I'd like is just for you to kind of run us through what that experience was like. Obviously, those protests were pretty lively. Um, so what you saw. Um, with your own eyes and also what you saw and captured with your camera as well. 
Yeah, so when I first got there, like I said earlier, um, there was kind of a, a, a like a, the state police were there with the um, with the riot gear. Um, Santa Fe police eventually showed up there on the scene. Um, it's super hectic at first. You never really know what you're going into. And definitely, um, I would say from covering protests this last summer, I'm covering a pretty big range of protests. I covered pretty much everything. And um, just uh, these protests in particular, whenever it's like the, um, um, I, I don't know what crowd you would call this actually. I mean, it seems like a very like, um, I would say like the QAnon crowd, it seems to be what the people that were there were. Um, so it, it, it's, um, it's definitely a little intimidating going to some of these protests, to be honest, especially if you choose to wear your press badge. And especially for me, I got a big camera uh, right on my shoulder. So it's kind of like just walking around. And then also if you're wearing your mask, um, they usually they usually put, they really spot you out right away if you have a mask on, um, and then if you have your camera. So um, it's a little hectic at first, but once you kind of start getting the shooting and you kind of see what's going on, um, you kind of lose those nerves. Um, but I mean, just being there, you see just 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 a lot of yelling back and forth. Um, no one really does anything too serious. There was one lady that um, when I was taking a photo, I saw her run to this gentleman's truck that was going back and forth, and um, she jumped on the back of his truck and was just flipping off the crowd. Um, so it's just a lot of people just enticing, just, 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 just really just trying to just make it, um, I don't know, it, 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 sometimes it's, sometimes it's super intimidating when, um, especially when you get surrounded, um, or just when they start, um, like, just like singling you out, um, like when I was trying to like get questions for the story and just trying to interview people, um, I had to give pretty much a, like a whole rundown of why I'm in journalism, um, um, am I fake news? What does fake news mean to me? And just stuff like that. Just questions that are just kind of just crazy. But um, at at some point, uh, you just have to kind of just I don't know. Um, I don't know the word for it. You you kind of just have to just uh, uh, um, just power through, honestly. But um, it's definitely interesting. But um, yeah, I guess that, that that's really what I saw. It was just a bunch of uh, people yelling at each other, spewing some propaganda, but um, nothing too um, nothing too crazy. So hopefully in the future, um, I know that there's some, there was a report today talking about there's more planned protests for the 16th. So hopefully in the future, if there is more, it stays somewhat peaceful, um, but you know, we can only hope. So Gabe, for you, um, one of the biggest things I noticed about your story was there was an overarching theme of representation. Um, a few of your interview uh, interviews make reference to that, um, saying that they want the, um, the uh, Asian Pacific American Culture Center to be a place of representation for both the university to acknowledge these students and these people who identify as this group. Um, just for you, how would you describe that theme of representation and what it meant to the interviewees? Yeah, uh, I mean, representation is is the spirit of of APOC, and you know, it's a spirit of the it's, it's the spirit of the article as well, um, and so. I just really wanted to to get that get this story out there so that people will know for future reference that that they have a place to come to that they have a place where they can feel supported um, and celebrated um, and you know a lot of my uh, interviews uh, with with the directors um, Emma Hotz, um, Jacob Aliguer, um they all they all. We all share. We all have this shared value of representation for the Asian American community in Albuquerque um, and on UNM. And so, you know, it was it was particularly easy to to write this article, knowing what what um, I had to do and understanding what 
what they were doing and knowing where they were coming from and organizing this resource center for us. And then uh, this next question for both of you guys, um, what do you what what do you hope the readers take away from both of the stories that you guys have written this week? Um, obviously, both of them deal with um, pretty important themes. Um, uh, so what are you hoping the readers um, take away from reading your guys' story, any specific information, anything like that? And Nick, we can start with you. Yeah, um, I guess what, what um, something that I kind of hope for is just we're kind of seeing uh, a time in our, in our, and at least right now in within America, we're seeing like a switch. Um, obviously, we, we have a new president coming in, and the last president is kind of putting up a fight. Um, and we're seeing, we're, we're kind of just seeing like a, it's right now just a really important time. And um, I don't know, I I just think seeing the seeing these pictures, uh, these people that are coming out here define uh, like any kind of um, any kind of like uh, um, any kind of like any kind of like public health order. Um, there's no mass at any of these protests or anything like that. Um, the information that they're spewing is completely wrong. They're, they're, they're really going out there and just with a, with a microphone and they're talking about how masks aren't helping anything, how um, COVID's fake. Obviously they're trying to go out there and trying to protest the election results, but there's no, there's no evidence whatsoever. So it's just, um, what I want to highlight is just these people are still out here and they're still, there's they're still very dangerous um, in a sense um, to be having this information being spewed out like this. Um, we're obviously seeing uh, Twitter, um, Facebook and all these other uh, uh, social media sites kind of putting a stop to it. Um, so it's, I don't know, I guess, I guess, like I said, just what I'm trying to just uh, put out there is that these people are still out there and they're still, they're still believing um, this man's rhetoric. So it's just, it's just a time that I kind of want to document um, for right now and even for the, for the future, um, just to see, what um what kind what kind of world we're living in and gabe what do you hope readers take away from your story yeah like i said before i think i think the main point of this um story is really just to get this resource center uh, onto people's radar um it's a rare opportunity to to see a resource center like I said, at its conception, and to be able to follow it down the future to see um, to see how it develops, how it forms, what it turns into, um, hopefully coming into fruition to an actual building on campus. Um, the directors who I talked to said, you know, that's what they're really looking for in the next uh, five years. Um, and so basically, that was the point of the article is just to mark this as the beginning uh, of, of APOC, of not only APOC, um, but of the continued coverage of, of Asian American stories in Albuquerque. And then the uh, last question I had for you guys, um, just to summarize this, is um, just kind of the, the personal impact um, these stories have had on you guys, because obviously from prior answers, these are pretty intense um, topics that we're covering. Um, and it's hard not to be impacted by stories. I know I've been impacted by stories that I've covered as well. Um, so if you had to, um, just in your own words, kind of describe um, what this entire experience was like uh, in forming this story, um, and then walking away, what you hope to take away from these stories as well. And uh, Nick, if you want to start. Yeah, um, I guess what I can say for me, what 
Um, the, um, the kind of feeling that I'm getting is, um, I definitely get, I definitely get um, a ton of frustration. Um, I feel like I've covered the same story um, and then same, the same protests, the same everything, um, especially with this, um, with this right wing um, QAnon crowd. It's just, um, it's super frustrating to see them to continue to go out there and spew the misinformation and then to, um, uh, just to keep on doing the stuff that they do. Um, when you go to these things, you feel super intimidated. There's um, military assault rifles, um, like people just walking around. I saw about three or four gentlemen that had 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 a, had at least those. Um, um, I believe they're. I believe uh, the AR-15 rifles. They had those guys, and they even had a pistol on them too. And I'm just thinking to myself, you know, it's a peaceful protest. What do you need all this firearms for? And, and it's just they come in. They come in dressed up in the military garb, you know. And it's just. Um, it's definitely a super intimidating thing, and it's just uh, I just get a lot of frustration when I see stuff like that because it's just um, it it really doesn't help their cause, especially like if you really want to go out there and protest and have this dialogue and create it, you should be able to create this safe space or, or at least this this space for people to talk. Um, so I guess that, that's one of the things that that comes with me with that. Um, the the protest and stuff it does kind of um, it does kind of drain you out a little bit, um, not just physically but just mentally. Um, but um, so a little bit drained, but also at the same time, it, it's it's something that I like doing. It's um, it's hard to explain. You kind of get a rush from it. Um, I've been I've been doing the photography side for it for a while, and this um, this last protest was really the first time I was kind of able to um, um, to kind of be able to tell the story with my words as well, not just the photos. So um, it's definitely it's definitely an exciting time for me to say the least. Gabe, what about you? Hmm. I mean, this story, this story was, I think marked the beginning of, you know, my journey into, into journalism. Um, I've only been, doing this for a couple of years now. I was in an internship um, back in Santa Fe for a while where, where I wrote as, like a, as, a, as a youth journalist. And when I came into the Daily Lobo, um, I noticed that, you know, not only in the university, um, not only at the Lobo, um, not only in Albuquerque, uh, but in New Mexico, there is really a lack of stories concerning the Asian American population. And so, like I've referenced uh, before, this this was the this was the, this was the beginning of me trying to find my stride um, into that in, into my own community. And I think um, you know part of the stories are reflective of my own of my own reconciliation, um, trying to appease both sides of my identity, um, of my ethnic identity. Um, I'm a Filipino immigrant. I moved here when I was when I was a little kid. And ever since then, I've just been trying to, I've just been trying to look for my way here. And so I think those stories are reflective of that um, stories that I write. And, you know, for the for the community too, um, set aside my own, like my own selfish reasons. Um, for the community, I, I think everybody could benefit uh, from this more. I think looking at New Mexico from an outsider perspective, 
there is there has been like this this myth that's been per, pervading um the culture of this like i don't know i forgot the name of of, of this like tricultural um tricultural community and you know um and just labeling it that it kind of it really ignores uh, all of the other people that reside here and as an asian american it's it has been kind of hard finding an identity here in New Mexico in the Southwest. And so part of the story, uh, really the, the spirit of, of, the, of the story that I writ was to show people that were out there, was to really mark, mark our stand. And, you know, like I said, it, it's, it's just the beginning and um, and that that article was used for me as a stepping stone into into a continuation of of similar stories like this um, where we fully represent uh, the members of our community this concludes the first edition of the howl the daily lobos weekly podcast where we break down our front page news stories i want to take this opportunity to thank nikita nick and gabriel for taking time to explain their stories more in depth to our readers and hopefully giving us all a new perspective this is gino Gutierrez, managing editor for the daily lobo signing off and we hope to see you all next week